when you hear other people in the media or on the news talking about all the stressors that first responders face, a lot of times what comes up is the bad calls that people go on or potentially the risk for things like PTSD. That's kind of um, what's been talked about a lot. And yes, there is some some of that that happens within the fire service or the emergency responder field. But we don't often talk about a lot of the other stressors that um, are faced in, within the firehouse. And some of those stressors can really build up. Welcome to the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast, where we give you real tools to train ultimate humor performance, both on and off the emergency scene. I'm your host, Kevin Housley. Let's get to it. All right, so welcome everybody to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about allostatic load. And allostatic load is basically a fancy way of saying that chronic stress has um, impact on people over long periods of time. And allostatic load is starting to get some pretty good traction out there in the science world, especially in relation to physiological response. And you can see things like uh, cortisol markers, um, for sure, things like sleep deprivation or sleep efficiency for people. Um, especially emergency responders and firefighters, um, where people's sleep gets worse the longer that they're in the job. Um, but we also see massive impact on things like cardiac disease, um, um, likelihood of, of heart attacks. Um, and as we all know, in the fire world, over 50% of our line of duty deaths every single year are because of sudden cardiac death. And so how does allostatic load play into that is something that we really should probably be looking at. But it also has impacts on other things like diabetes um, and the big one, cancer. So cancer obviously is a huge conversation piece right now in the fire service, and it's mostly related to our PPE. But there's a lot of other things, including sleep and allostatic load that are playing massively into this. And as a reminder, allostatic load is basically just chronic stress over long periods of time has an impact on you. Um, so... Today, we welcome, gratefully, um, Taylor Monty. Um, she's maybe the busiest person that I know, so we're very excited to, to have the opportunity to talk to her for a few minutes. Um, Taylor, from uh, just a quick bio on her, she's a wife, mom, firefighter, a lieutenant, riding on Engine 12 um, in Northern Colorado, and also a fitness coach. Um, but Taylor graduated with honors from Colorado Christian University in 2018 with a master's degree in counseling. Uh, she's a nationally certified counselor, MBCC, a licensed professional counselor, is trained in EMDR, advanced motivational interviewing, cognitive behavioral therapy, and is currently working on her certified addiction counselor credentials. Um, Taylor is also a CrossFit Level 2 and CrossFit Kids certificate holder. Don't freak out if you don't like CrossFit. I bet you she won't talk about CrossFit, which will be a miracle. Not at all. <laughs> Specializes in first responders, teens, PTSD, and associated symptoms such as depression, anxiety, anger, and substance abuse, all which tie for sure into allostatic load, which I'm pretty sure she's going to talk about. And really her big specialization is combining fitness and therapy. So thank you very much, Taylor, for for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you and um, yeah. Should be fun, should be fun. Yes. 
So let's get right to it. Um, let's talk a little bit about like the concept of allostatic load. But if we could, maybe let's look at it from an eye of like, what's the impact of social settings on allostatic load? So like I mentioned, you're a lieutenant of a fire company. Um, so you are intentionally trying to create environments or to steer clear of other environments in the firehouse. But you have all these other social situations that you have to deal with for your your shift, your battalion your entire fire department, as well as off the job, you know, so how, how can you speak briefly kind of how do social settings kind of tie into that allostatic load? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is actually a really important topic to cover when it comes to first responders and firefighters, because when you hear other people in the media or on the news talking about all the stressors that first responders face, a lot of times what comes up is the bad calls that people go on or potentially the risk for things like PTSD. That's kind of um, what's been talked about a lot. And yes, there is some, some of that that happens within the fire service or the emergency responder field. But we don't often talk about a lot of the other stressors that um, are faced in, within the firehouse. And some of those stressors can really build up. So for example, um, you know, in, for my shift, we work 48 hours on and then 96 hours off. And when you're at the firehouse for 48 hours, you are required to go on a call. Don't know when the call is gonna come out, um, tones go off every time that that call comes out. You're also hearing all of the other radio traffic of different calls that are happening within the system. And it's a very um, big social setting, right? So not only are you listening for these calls and having to be prepared for them all of the time, but it's also a social setting where you kind of need to be on in the sense of you need to be relatable, you need to be funny, you need to be easygoing. You need to um, interact with people. Um, so all of those things are a lot to carry around as well. And then there's also this big pressure to perform. Um, and that that's there's a pressure to perform in training because everybody wants to be able to do a good job, but there's also this pressure to perform on the calls that we go on as well. And so you're kind of living this for 48 hours at a time, which can put a lot of first responders in kind of that hypervigilant state that has a tendency to just kind of build up over time. So I think that's a really important piece to kind of discuss here when you're talking about that social allostatic load and the environment that people are in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you bring up a good point. You know, there's a theorist by the name of Goffman who did a bunch of, he was a, a sociologist, um, theorist and practitioner. And he talked about the masks that we wear and how like the social settings, we, we really kind of put on a front and an act even at times. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of, that kind of relates to exactly what you talked about where you named off, right? You got to be relatable. You got to be funny. You got to be easygoing. You have to be resilient, right? That's a pretty good buzzword at the moment. Um, and you got to be on, you got to be up all the time, you know? And so I think when we look at, at, you know, so sociological theory or psycho psychological theory, um, it can really kind of help steer the boat a little bit as we navigate this at the crew level. So, um, you know, I think, you know, as he, as he spoke a lot about the masks or just everyday routines, you know, so, um, 
how do you think like a, an everyday routine, you know, on your engine company, um, do you, with your training or anything like that, have you really thought about how does that impact the people that are on your crew or maybe they're a visitor for the day, right? They're working overtime or a trade or, or they're roved into your firehouse. You know, how do we, how do we kind of navigate that in that social setting as, as maybe leaders in this, in the fire service? Yeah, I think that there's a, a couple of ways that that tied in. Uh, first of all, you you brought in the point about the masks that we wear, right? And I think that's an important part to place to start just because um, sometimes I will see people that are putting on a certain mask and they're presenting themselves a certain way because they believe that that is what others want to see of them right? But within doing that, they're not actually letting people see who the real person that they are actually is. And so they're seeking almost this approval for somebody that they're not, or that they feel like somebody else wants to see instead of actually being um, and getting approval from people and people wanting to spend time with them because of who they actually are. So I think that that being said, it's really important to try to cultivate an atmosphere where people can be their authentic self and that we really see them for who they are, what their strengths are, and then and their personality. And so I guess my goal when it comes to the fire service, when it comes to um, trainings, when it comes to creating an environment within the station is really um, understanding who somebody is and the characteristics that they have and really valuing them for the things that they bring to the table within the fire service um, and making sure that that is a part of the training as well. Um, making sure that the environment is set up where people feel like training is a place that we can make mistakes and that we can learn from them and that we can build our confidence going forward so that we can perform well when if we actually go out on a call. So, um, for me, I think that that's an important part of kind of what you're talking about is just creating that right environment for people to in the station, but as as well as with training and on the calls. Yeah. And I love that you've tied in the training thing. And you and I have had conversations offline about this a bunch of, you know, what cultures are we creating as crews um, around failure and, and how do we define failure? Um, and really, what is the impact if you don't articulate failure very, very well, and then live those values that we say, oh, it's okay to fail. But then, you know, maybe somebody gets hammered or they're kind of shunned because they failed on a training evolution. And you see that thing kind of grow legs and every fire department and really any other um, high performance organization, you have people that are so scared to fail that you have the blue flu, right? They're always sick when you have this major training going on, you know, it's burn day or, or something major where that you might actually have to a little sweat on the drill ground that day and every single time they're sick and you know then they kind of get shunned in a different way um because right. they get labeled really really quickly versus um people stepping up and being like hey what's going on like how can i help you work through this um all the way up to maybe that maybe your time in the fire service or emergency services has has reached its end and it's time to go do something else and crush it you know and so i know probably I'm assuming based on your your counseling background and, and working with people, you've seen kind of all levels of spectrum of that. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. And I think that's really important um, 
part of being able to give people the tools to do the job correctly. I mean, listen, the fire service is hard. There are times that we have to really gut it out and push through some things and some things are hard. But we also want to make sure that our people are prepared to be able to do that when the time is necessary. And so we want to create environments um, with our crews and within the fire service where we're able to build some of the confidence with our crew. And so that can be just like you said, making sure that we set the expectations about what failure is, because I think in the fire service, we often think that even in academy that you should be perfect at something right off the bat when you're first learning it. And that's not, that's not the case. Anything that we're learning, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to have some failures and we're going to learn from them. And those are the things that are going to make us better. Um, I know for myself, like the things that I've messed up are the things that I've learned from and I will not ever, ever do again because I learned it the hard way. Um, and I had some really great mentors along the way that, um, you know, picked me back up and said, hey, let's try, let's try this again. And so we can, you know, within our crews and our companies and the fire service, we can take baby steps, um, teach somebody how to do something, have them work through it, be successful at it. And then we just can kind of increase the intensity a little bit until it becomes at a level where people are really becoming thinking firefighters and they're having to work through things in difficult situations and making it okay that, hey, if we make a mistake or we mess up, that's okay. We learn from it. We're going to do it again. We're going to be better at it. And we're um, then going to have the confidence that when push to shove, you're on the on an actual call and you need to perform, that you've been able to perform in training. And so you know that you're going to be able to do it um, on the real calls as well. And so I think that's the goal, right, is to give people the confidence that they're going to be able to perform and be able to when, when it's when it's needed. Are you struggling to find a fitness training solution that is not only effective, but also affordable? one that you can use both on shift and at home and create scalable options that replicate the demands of an actual emergency scene, Brute Force Training has what you're after. As the industry leader in unstable load training and their new customizable filler system, you can finally get the results you deserve. Check out all they have to offer, including the sandless sandbag, adaptive kettlebells, and workout plans at bruteforcetraining.com backslash firefighter craftsmanship. Enter the code Firefighter Craftsmanship at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's BruteForceTraining.com backslash Firefighter Craftsmanship. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we can, let's go down like maybe an identity road here a little bit. So you mentioned something a while back that was was really, really um, well stated and you called it the authentic self, you know, mm-hmm. and there's obviously lots of theorists out there about athletic identity or personal identity and things like that, or um, Hoach Child specifically talks about the inauthenticity of self. And she had done a big research study with um, flight attendants, kind of as flight attendants were a new thing, right? And and you could probably correlate this to a really big chicken fast food chain of like, they train people, you know, in this flight attendant world, they train them, the customer is always right. And you have to put on this show in Southern hospitality and you have to put on a smile regardless of what's happening there. And what they saw over this long period of research study was they had a people's identity as a flight attendant became their personal identity. And so then they had massive rates of burnout. 
um, massive levels of chronic stress of um, disenchantment with work. People were leaving the profession and all this because who they were was that flight attendant and they weren't allowed to um, show emotion or like have any mo emotional response regardless of what they were experiencing. And if we look at that, like in the emergency services world, that's absolutely what happens every day, all day yeah. long. And sometimes it has to happen, right? Like you said, yeah, there's a time and a place where you got to suck it up, you know? And, and, but at the same time, the mental health space now is finally getting some really good traction in the fire service and emergency service as a whole, because we realize that that doesn't work. That's not a good long-term strategy. Yeah. On the call, you got to suck it up sometimes. Um, most of the time, really on a really tough call, but then you also got to suck it up and deal with it later. Right. And to me, like that's where sucking it up is like putting your ego aside and really getting back into what, what your true self is, you know? So if we look at that, like what does an authentic self look like, or how do we, how do we develop that from your opinion? Like how, for me, I got 18 years on the job. Maybe this is a brand new concept for me. Like how do I go backwards and try to learn these skills? Yeah. So I think you touched on a few things that are really important. So the first one, when you were talking about that authentic self and the identity of the flight attendants is um, a lot of times what we see in the fire service is, and emergency service in general is when people come into the fire service, they have all of these different things that are part of their life, right? So they have their friends, they may go to church, they go to a, a gym, they have um, a job that maybe is, you know, part of what they do. They have social activities. So they have all of these different things that they are a part of. And what can happen pretty easily if we're not careful is when you join the fire service, all of a sudden you're at work for a third of your life you build these connections and these bonds with people that you work with. And so now all of a sudden the friendships that you have are the people you work with. And now all of a sudden the outside extracurricular activities that you do are, you know, maybe picking up overtime or going to an extra training. Um, the things that we do with your spouses, it's a double date. All of these different things become an, a part of the person's life. And now all of a sudden you have to ask yourself, is this career a part of who you are or is that your identity? And if we're not careful about the balance that we have within our life and making sure that we have different things um, to kind of offset some of the stuff that's going on at the firehouse, then all of a sudden we have everything in our pizza pie, right? is fire service related and what happens if you get injured what happens if something um or that you have to retire and so people really struggle with some of that identity when they have to retire or they leave the fire service because everything they've known for so long has been fire service related or emergency service related and so i would say the first part to that question is making sure that we keep some type of a balance in our lives, um, whether it's, you know, for me, for example, yeah, I do CrossFit, but also like play tennis. And I have, you know, friends that are not a part of the fire service that you're doing stuff to kind of create overall balance to help you deal with that stress. So that would be the first part to your question. The, the second thing when you're talking about the mental health aspect and uh, is, that, you know, I kind of look at the stressors that we have going on in our lives and the things that we 
are dealing with at work. If you have a glass or a cup and you start putting, filling that cup up with some water to represent the stressors that are happening in your life, our cup can only hold so much. So it's going to cope for a while. We're going to be able to cope for a while. Um, but when it reaches a certain state, when it's pretty full, the, the one of the smallest things can kind of make that cup overflow. And so when we're dealing with difficult calls, being on the call or doing something and we come off that call, it is really important to make sure that we are allowing ourselves to to process whatever it is that's going on at work, at home, in a healthy way that has some balance to it so that our cup doesn't overflow. Yeah, I think I think you bring up an awesome point. And, you know, I'm sitting here and my brain's spinning, you know, like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, or, oh, yeah, that happened to me today coming off a shift or whatever, right? And so I think we, it's probably easy. A lot of times we try, want to try to blame somebody, right? And so... I don't want this to come off of like, oh, we're blaming our departments or we're blaming the fire service as a whole. It's just something that we need to really be aware of because there are tools, like you said, you know, making sure you have a good friend circle or people that you can really trust and call upon that maybe aren't in the emergency services. Um, continuing to, you know, if you're faith-based, then continuing that, like those things that made you a person before you got into the job, whether it's volunteer or career, um, you know, making sure that you still harbor those relationships, right? It, that's very, very important. And I think if we look at it too, like from a host child lens of inauthenticity to self, I think when we have this identity shift where, hey, I'm a firefighter, right? I got the sticker on my truck and I wear the t-shirt every day from every fire department, big city department across the country. That's who I am. And I'm very proud of that. But then I come home and right, the people that actually really, truly love me, they don't care about that. They just want to hang out with, you know, their husband or their dad or whatever in my circumstance. And may, there's this disconnect at times throughout your career, probably that um, maybe the inauthenticity of self is actually when you're not at work. And I think that that very well, I don't know, am I on the right track? I've never really thought about that. Yeah, I think so. Um Because I think you're right. Like, it's great to have pride in what you do. And we want people to have pride in what they do at work, but there needs to be some type of a separation too. So I, um, some, sometimes what I'll have people do who are maybe struggling with this is have some sort of a routine when they leave work to home that kind of separates. I'm putting my firefighter hat away and now I'm going to put on my mom or my dad cap and that's who I'm going to be. And that way there's not as much bleed over from work to home. And sometimes you can see this too with the officers on the department, right? That are used to like being in charge and making the schedule and having all this responsibility that sometimes that bleeds over when they get home and their spouse is like, hold on, you don't get to just tell me how I'm going to, what I'm going to do. <laughs> so. yes. I don't know. I don't know anything you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Never experienced that at all. <laughs> yeah. So we can have like some type of a ritual sometimes is helpful. Um, so for me, like when I leave the station, a lot of times I'll shower and I'll change clothes. So I'm not in my fire, my firefighting t-shirts or anything like that. I'm like putting on my normal clothes and I'm like mentally making a note that I'm switching from one thing to the other. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. That's, that's probably a huge skill that we need to be reminded of. Right. And that's where having those relationships, both on the job and off the job of like, Hey, 
Hey, remember when you asked me to be your sounding board? Like here comes, <laughs> here comes the boom on you a little bit, right? <laughs> um, those things are very, very important to have for sure. Um, so another, another thing, concept you know that's out there is like the modern self and and we create the modern self it's constructed and you know some some of it is um in relation to from Berger and Luckman about knowledge is socially constructed and i think as we see the fire service grow we can really kind of see that and we look at you know the mass that we wear or inauthenticity or authenticity of self and the things that i truly believe and we can see our our values and things like that kind of get morphed based on sometimes what the flavor of the week is based on our organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you kind of navigate that? Like, how do I stay true to who I want to be as self as I grow and I experience more and more chronic stress, right? Like everything that you've talked about so far, we could easily plug in that's chronic stress. Like here's a scientific physiological response. It can be measured through this blood test or whatever. Um, but we're kind of looking bigger picture than that of like, how are we creating better people um, for ourselves and those people around us, you know? So what are, what are some ways that we can kind of focus on creating that? I know that I'm going to ebb and flow and I'm going to morph over time. Hopefully I'm growing. Um, Mm -hmm. But then also, you know, like at firefighter craftsmanship, we talk about the goal is to retire happy, healthy, and strong. I think it's complete nonsense that we have a high percentage of people that retire from this amazing job and they're super bitter. It should have been a job that filled them up. They've lost a lot of the positive relationships in their lives and then they get cancer and they die within three years. I think Mm -hmm. that that is completely unacceptable. So like from a a self-construction thing, like what are some things that I can do on the back half of my career, you know, to try to avoid those things? Yeah, I think um, part of it is knowing who you are and constantly working on our own personal and self-development. So I think it's really important for everybody to know what their values are. And um, Brene Brown's really big on choosing two values. And I really like it because she essentially says that you can then take those two values if it's, let's say it's... um, integrity being a value and family being a value, you can use those two values as a lens that you try to start making your decisions through. So when the gossip starts at the kitchen table, you can kind of filter like, is this within my values, what I'm saying right now, and kind of use that as a lens um, of of some of the things that, that we can focus on. And then the second part is, I think, continuing to just Um, foster good relationships and people and the things that are within our control at the, at at our department or within ourselves or within our families. We oftentimes focus on all of these things that are completely outside of our control and they take so much energy from us. There's decisions that are made in our departments that I don't have any control over that, but we sure like to sit around the top, the kitchen table and, and talk about it. And it causes a lot of, a lot of stress instead of thinking about like, what are some of the things that we do have control over or the things that we can change that are going to make a positive impact. Um, so I think also, you know, focusing on the things that we can control and then just being kind to each other and, um, valuing the people that are within our organization. They all have different strengths. We hired them for a reason. Uh, The people that we work with are great people. And I think valuing 
that even more as well, because that is going to make us a better team and a better on the fire ground as well. Yeah, for sure. And it's really, really hard to do, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's easy for us to sit here and be like, oh, well, don't worry about it. You don't have any control. <laughs> over it. And I, you know, and I could easily be like, I know. And that's actually what makes me even more mad, but I don't want to maybe step up and take a bigger role where I have on the one in the arena either. Right. And so it's finding where, where that sweet spot is of, of influence and impact that you can have, whether you're a, a probie for fresh out of the Academy or you're the chief of a department. Um, everybody's experiencing this in their own way. So yeah, I think it extending grace is a big one. Um, and probably in, in relation to the con- conversation that we're having today is extending grace to yourself, right? And and def- maybe even defining, we can go all the way back, maybe even defining what a culture of failure, what does failure mean to me? And how do I live within that? Because unfortunately, we're not going to all kick ass every single day. It just isn't the case you know, and maybe even how do I define failure when I'm at work? That's really easy. It really is, you know, but how do I define failure at home, you know, with, with three little kids or with a wife and things like that, or house projects or all the things that I fail at continually. Right. And just try to get better. But intentionality is probably a big part of kind of constructing that modern self. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think so. I really like what you said and really kind of diving into figuring out what failure means for yourself too. I I really like that you brought that up because like you said, on the fire ground, we can think of failure as, as something that's pretty black and white where I, I did, or I didn't force that door. And am I seeing that as failure, but what about the values that we set for ourselves? Oftentimes those are a little bit easier to let slide because it's not something that somebody sees on a daily basis. It's more kind of something that's within ourselves. And so what is it that we see as failure? How can we look at that as a way to grow and use that like um, for ourselves and for our departments? Yeah, awesome. Okay, so just like a quick rehash, like what are one or two things um, that that listeners can do today to kind of start to figure out if they have no idea who they are, you know, like how, who am I? Um, and then also with that eye towards, you know, the allostatic load and chronic stress of this job will take a toll on you, but it doesn't necessarily show up in PTSD. It can, yeah. and hopefully it doesn't, but it's probably going to show up in other stuff like hypervigilance, irritability, um, loss of relationships, um, you know, more and more scattered brained, um, ideas or, or not completing projects. So like, what are, what are just a couple like super th- simple things that people can implement today to try to help them? Yeah. So, um, first of all, I kind of want to add to what you just said about that allostatic load. Um, w- the way I explain that to people or stress to people is it's like energy, which can't be created or destroyed. It can only be converted in form. And so I like to think about stress in that way right? If we bottle everything up, it is going to come out in some way. It doesn't just go away. So it's going to come out in the ways that you described, lack of sleep. It's going to come out in anger. It's going to come out in substance use in isolation, irritability, all of those different things. So it's important to be able to 
add some things in that are going to to help with that. That's, um, I mean, we're releasing chemicals, we're releasing cortisol that's contributing to some of like the physical health things that we may feel. And our brain is going to recognize it last. Usually you're going to end up, you're going to feel it, or you're going to, other people are going to notice some of these symptoms first. So um, a couple of things you can do, right? Really take a detailed look at how you're spending your time and what the balance in your life looks like. Do you need to say no more often to certain things? That's like the one thing that I'm trying to work on right now is trying to say, say no to some things and create some time to just kind of go for a mountain bike if I want to, or do the things that I want to do. So what are the things that you like to do that relieve stress for you? That could be working out. It could be doing a float tank. It could be going to dinner with a friend or your spouse. Um, so look at, look at how your life is structured and how you can add, um, some of that value or that balance to it. Um, and then when we talked about getting to know yourself, um, the, the things that you can do to try to get to know yourself. One, uh, truity.com has like three personality tests, all of the different types of like the Enneagram. It's got the Myers-Briggs. So you can spend some time kind of getting to know yourself and what your strengths are. Um, and I would also say, go through a list of values and really try to think about what your values are and pick those two that can be the filter for you, your life and your decisions. Awesome. That's amazing. Well, um, just so everybody knows, we will have a blog post that's associated with this podcast on firefightercraftsmanship.com. Um, so you can go there and we'll link to all the things like Trudy. We'll throw in some some of the theorists if you want to kind of dive into that. Brene Brown has tons and tons of content out there, TED Talks, things like that. Um, and then where can people find you if you want them to? <laughs> Yeah, they can find me at mindsetreps.com or on Facebook, Mindset Reps or Instagram, mindset.reps. Sweet. Where they can find we, will, we will link to all of that stuff in the show notes as well as at uh, the Firefighter Craftsmanship, um, the blog that's associated with this. Um, so thank you so much, Taylor. It's been a, I've learned a ton of stuff. I'm excited to kind of go back and do some more introspection on this and figure out, Hey, how can I finish my career strong? Um, and, uh, and then also how can I transition that to that next generation of the fire service, um, as an officer, you know, so I can't thank you enough. We really, really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to the firefighter craftsmanship podcast, where we give you real tools to train ultimate human performance, both on and off the emergency scene. You can find more information on our webpage at firefightercraftsmanship.com, including all the classes that we offer, and there's plenty of free resources and training on the site as well. Reach out to us on social media, including Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to have a conversation and figure out how we can help you achieve your goals. Stay smart. Stay smart.